Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 140. 140, right, Bill? Is that what we came up with a minute ago? Yes, sir. 140 of uh, the Citrix session. I'm your host, Andy Whiteside. I uh, got uh, Bill Sutton with us. Bill uh, was in, um, I say, your part of the world last week on vacation. Sounds like you guys knocked out a uh, podcast while I was going. What did you guys, what did you guys cover? Uh, we didn't, Bill. I think we huh? uh, last week we, we had. Uh, did we? It was a week before. before. It was a week before. Yeah, it was a week before. Yeah, oh, yeah, wow. we did. What was it? I don't. I, I haven't had a chance. Well, I haven't posted it, so I haven't even heard. This was the that. last. This was part. I think this was part four. This was part four of our oh. um, of our final uh, our big uh, overview of twenty three oh five. Twenty three oh five. Anything uh, stick out that you guys covered? Did you remember? What? Well, uh, well, I was I was at the beach. I did not get to sit in on that one, unfortunately. Well, hopefully, people got a lot of good value out of that whole series. Uh, took us four four episodes to cover twenty three oh five. I think that's just a a highlight that uh, you know a lot of people are saying that Citrix is dead and they're not investing, and I, I think it's the exact opposite. Um, and I think Jeremy, I think you guys have a problem over cloud software groups getting that word out because obviously. You're kind of getting back to basics, what we need you to do, but uh, a lot of FUD around. Yeah, so the myth that there's not things happening is is truly a myth because there's a lot going on right now. Uh, lots being released. Um, and actually, it's happening at a quicker quicker clip, too. So maybe it's just a messaging thing. I'm not sure, but holy smokes. You know, I get updates internally all the time on feature releases. Um, obviously, they happen in the cloud all the time. Uh, the things that tend to make... The big release on the blogs or you know the big quarterly releases we do on prem but yeah there's a lot there's a lot going on well that's the voice of jeremy myers jeremy is the director for i call it sales engineers what's the official title for those guys these days jeremy i always it's um partner technical strategist um and you know essentially we are sales engineers and we focus on partners and their customers yeah and that's how um yep. you relate to us and of course we're you know, kind of all over the place, U.S., Canada, India, but uh, because of your, because of our presence as a partner, you, you're here with us quite often. Quite frequently. Yep. You get to hear all my, uh, all my things is what I'll call them. Um, well, so I wish I could, I wish I could scale myself. I wish I could do sort of a, an automatic scaling of my time too, because that'd be fantastic too. That's a good lead in, I would say. It, to this it topic. is. Um, okay. So, that's what we're going to talk about today. Today's blog uh, by Mark Mueller uh, came out like five days ago, uh, bringing the power of Citrix auto scale to on-premises. I think that was part of the uh, 2305 stuff, and I'm sure we mm-hmm. spent a few minutes on it, but today we're going to dive into it deeper. Um, help us by setting this up, Jeremy. Why? Where, where did auto scale come from? What does it apply to when you when you take, like we were just talking about taking you and auto scaling you up? That'd be awesome, but you know, taking some elements of things and auto scaling them may not be as awesome. What what what's auto scale historically mean in the Citrix world? So it started as a feature, I want to say back in 2000, 2019. Heck, the article goes into it here. It was a feature we introduced in our cloud console, you know, four years ago that was focused on managing workloads primarily in the cloud. So first of all, understand the cloud console can manage on-prem, but uh, it was a feature that was a part of the cloud. And if I had to argue, it's probably meant initially just to manage costs in the cloud. Mm-hmm. So, you know, spinning up workloads, spinning down workloads in like an Azure and AWS or Google, specifically to help make, um, just reduce the spin 
in the cloud for machines that don't need to be running. So and, and that Jeremy, was kind of the idea. Up, that's spinning up when you need more capacity and spinning down when you don't need it. Because help me out with this you, between you and Bill. When I've got a the machine sitting there in my cloud, even when it's not turned on, I'm I'm paying for something, aren't I? You are. You are. So you're paying for storage. You're paying for not necessarily compute, um, you know, that side of it, but you're definitely paying for storage as well. So, um, you know, that's a, that's a big piece of it. You know, you're paying for disks that are sitting idle for sure. Bill, have we had any projects where this uh, either scaling up or scaling down or both became part of the requirements? Yes, absolutely. Um, to help to, to what Jeremy said earlier um, in the sense that it helps control the spend um, the ability to spin machines down when they're not in use, to uh, even deallocate them if they're if they're um, like uh, non-persistent, we can completely deallocate them, which essentially eliminates any sort of storage costs. And then uh, and then there's some other features that are not related to auto scale that can help with costs as well. They may be related, but they're not included in this article, yeah. um, like uh, changing the machine type or the disk type and those sorts of things. Right. And so this, okay, let's, the article here in the first paragraph talks about 50% of the customers used it in the DAS, in the cloud-based version right. of the platform. And the ones who reported back said that they saved 70% or more on the cost of running their desktops. Those are pretty compelling numbers. Yes, very much so. Uh, you know what? And it's it's a part of the delivery group configuration um, and it's easy to miss, right? So even though there's a button that says manage auto scale right in the configuration, a lot of folks miss, miss it. You know, the thing that threw me off was, you know, we've only got, you know, I guess when we originally introduced this, only 50% of our customers were, were using it. Man, it's an easy one. You already got it. Turn it on. So I've had lots of conversations recently and some of the things I've been doing around persistent versus non-persistent. I probably brought up on this podcast a couple of times. Um, is this limited to the non-persistent world or can I do persistent workloads with auto scaling? Um, you can do it, um, but it's really more power management at that point um, because you're really just spinning up workloads that just aren't being used. Um, but initially the idea was more for non-persistent. So creating a buffer of machines. So you want to obviously at the end of the day, make sure you had machines available for folks to connect to. But um, you know, I think initially it was more from a non-persistent perspective. Persistent perspective. Right. I mean, if you go back a few years, that Citrix had what mm -hmm. I think was was originally called in the in the on-prem world power management, mm -hmm. which did some of this. Uh, and this is a, a you know an expansion, significant expansion mm -hmm. of this to address the needs in the cloud, particularly around cost mm -hmm. and capacity. Um, and now it looks like what they're doing, or what they have done, is bringing it back to the on-prem world. Kind of the the marching orders I think that Citrix has this year is. To, you know, to be consistent across all delivery methods, whether it's in the cloud or whether it's on-prem. And this brings mm -hmm. it back a lot of the features and functionality that were in the cloud to the on-prem world. Well, let's let's make that transition because I was talking, you know, non-persistent versus persistent. Right. If I've got my own data center, or maybe I've got a hosted data center by a partner like Zintegra, right. what is the ability to do this outside of the DAS world? In other words, not the platform as a service. Uh, but now to do it in my own desktop as a service, which could be cloud enabled, could be on premises, could be both. Um, wh why does it matter to me? Um, I mean, so we've had this debate, you know, I'm probably on this podcast a few times, which is, uh, you know, I always thought that is this really relevant on prem? You know, do we have, you know, for the most part, you know, I'm buying hardware in my data center. 
Um, it's a sunk cost, right? So I've already procured it, right? So I don't necessarily need to manage the cost. At least that's where I originally came to it is, so if I've already got the hardware, I've already provisioning the hardware, do I still need it? And the one thing, one of the things we landed on is, you know, listen, even if it wasn't from a, um, a cost perspective, listen, there's an environmental footprint we should be considering too, right? Because data centers cost power and the more things you have running, um, I mean, that, that, Two different perspectives. One, running things and providing power requires, you know, money. At the same time, you're just trying to be a little socially responsible. Yep. You know, again, yeah, I mean, reduce your footprint. And there's still a cost in, involved, right? Mm-hmm. If I if I use Uber, you know, car as a service, mm-hmm. there's still a cost involved. What if I could make that cost less by, you know, making the Uber driver's gasoline more efficient? And then maybe that cost passes down to me, even though either I use my own car, which would be a mm-hmm. direct result. Versus, and even if I use it as a service, there's there's impacts all across the board. Bill, sorry, you were going to say something? Uh, I was just going to kind of uh, come along with what Jeremy said. I mean, data centers, you know, co-location facilities, they make money by leasing space and and providing power. So the less power you consume, in theory, you would presume that you would have less cost. Um, and by spinning down machines at, a, at scale, then that could have a, a significant impact. Yeah. There's an aggregate involved is what we're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then you factor in, like Jeremy pointed out, the social responsibility of, you know, turn mm-hmm. your lights off. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So they call out uh, four key features of Autoscale as it relates to 2305, which is the on-premises version, which, mm-hmm. by the way, you can get if you have a partner like Zintegra Hosted, we can host it with the on-prem version. We just host it for you. That way you might end up with the best of both worlds. Uh, first one here, Jeremy, is a uh, schedule-based and load-based settings. What does that mean? Uh, so things number one is you can define when your working hours are. Uh, this is very similar to power management and how that worked in the past. Um, well, you set times a day when you've got folks who are going to be in the office or, you know, obviously you don't want someone to log in, click a button and have to wait for virtual machines to spin up. Right. So if you can anticipate the time of day, then that's a pretty good start. And you can define how many machines you want running um, at peak hours. And then secondly, you can go through and say, hey, number one, I want this many running at peak and this many running off peak. So there's that. But you can also define, and this is where the, the load-based settings come from, is you can also define you know, what kind of buffer do you want to make available as well. So for instance, I'll use easy math here. I want to do a 10% buffer and I'll, I've got 10 machines running. You're always going to have an 11th one. Or you're going to have 10% above that available just in case you, know, you just say you happen to max out. Um, let's add a little capacity just in case, but it'll be very dynamic uh, as you go. So you can define an on-peak and an off-peak uh, buffer as well. Bill, anything to add to that? Nope, he covered it. Covered it well. So, Bill, we'll go to you for the next one. Dynamic session timeouts. So this is, yes, this is the old um, timeouts that we would set, I think, in GPOs, uh, where we would say, if you're idle for 10 minutes or 15 minutes, go to a disconnected state. And then if you're disconnected for 30 minutes, your session gets recycled. So here they're allowing it to be a little bit more dynamic in terms of setting differences between peak and off peak to allow the drain of the server to occur in a more timely manner. At least that's how I read it. Jeremy, am I on the right track? No, you've nailed it there. Mm -hmm. Okay. You said no. I thought, oh my gosh. So. <laughs> well, so you're saying our users may or may not, uh, you know, turn the lights off when they leave the room. We'll right. allow the room to stay lit for a little bit, but then we'll we'll go back and turn them off when it's the right time. Yeah, and it and it, and we can set different different timeouts based on whether it's during the workday or whether it's after, you know, off hours, off peak hours. Yeah. 
Awesome. Yeah. I mean, so my kids don't turn the light off when they leave the room, but um, <laughs> what, what's funny is, you know, I think most of us, at least when I, you know, if I'm done with my machine, a lot of times what they'll do is I'll just X out of it, which just throws it in a disconnected state, which honestly is probably the default behavior for most people. They're not going, you know, necessarily to start run or start shut down or disconnect or, or whatever. They're just hitting the X. And so that leaves the machine running and that plays into this. Right. So um, if you can, if you can maybe set a session timeout that changes depending on peak hours, makes sense. Right. Yeah. And what I think what we're really saying here is what's good for the cloud is also good for your data center. The cloud is just somebody else's machines. In this case, it's your machines. Um, you know, those, some of those same concepts, even though we ought to, we, we, we quite often just took them for granted in the past, those mm -hmm. concepts apply today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Jeremy, I'll go back to you for this one. Uh, auto scale, tagged machines, cloud burst and hybrid. So the one thing that I always forget is what we've reintroduced into the on-premise, you know, architecture is the ability to connect out to a cloud, uh, you know, for workloads. So for instance, for a while there, I would say argue maybe a year or two, um, what we pulled from the on-premise product is the ability to create a hosting connection out to a cloud, right? So, or better yet, if you're hosting all of this infrastructure in a cloud, so again, not using Citrix Cloud, where we've got the management components that we're hosting, but you're setting up DDCs and SQL servers and all those pieces up in the cloud. Long story short, um, you know, creating a hosting connection to a cloud is something we've reintroduced. So what is not unusual is, you know, having a single instance um, with workloads in a cloud, maybe sitting in a colo, maybe sitting in your data center. And the idea that I would like to be able to define what types of machines participate in the auto scaling process. So you can tag machines and then say, hey, I only want to allow maybe my on-premise machines to be the, the, the burstable machines versus like say the cloud or vice versa, whatever kind of makes sense. But now you can tag machines and define which types of machines based on that tag will participate in the bursting, if you will. Yeah. So it's, um, I don't know how well you guys know, like the Azure solutions for this, but this this seems pretty robust. Mm -hmm. And to be able to do it in both the cloud platform as well as the on-premises platform seems to be quite uh, conducive to being successful. So for someone who doesn't do a lot of... Um, we have a team environment, you know, we we work with it, but I don't have 5,000 machines to spin up and down and see some of these some of these things in action on a on a consistent basis. And I kind of forget how much tagging is such a big deal. So yeah. creating machines in Azure, being able to tag those, creating things in Citrix and tagging those. Um, once you do it a handful of times, you go, oh, man, this makes sense. Oh, <laughs> let's go retag everything. But um, tagging has become a not just from a management perspective, but a lot of times that's how folks are, are charging back to the businesses based on tags. But um, yeah, now we can tag those as, or leverage those as well. Yeah, we're leveraging the tags to decide what we want to burst and what we don't want to burst versus mm -hmm. trying to create a bunch of delivery groups or something mm -hmm. that, that's segmented in a different way. We, we don't have to get, we don't have to create a sprawl to do what we need to do here. Yeah, as you guys were talking about this, right? I've got my my LG unit running IGL connected to my virtual desktop. And, uh, you know, I just sitting there letting it run. Wasn't, hurt, wasn't hurting me. So I just let it keep going. Uh, Bill, user notifications. Log off notifications. This, is, uh, this has been around for a while, but um, it's essentially notifying 
the user when you're ready to get ready to force off a linger session. So if the session has been inactive for a certain period of time, uh, we can send a custom notification um, and then force log off the session. Uh, I, this is something that we've had for a while, but especially in the cloud, but uh, this is uh, expands the auto scale functionality to enable it there as well. Yeah. Uh, and then Jeremy, it covers uh, some of the technical platform support information. Can we just hit these real quick? Um, yeah, for starting. So what are we hosting on, you know, Citrix, you know, we'll say Zen server, but, you know, AWS, Google cloud, you know, all the, you know, all the standard resources, right? So it doesn't, doesn't really matter what you're hosting on. Um, that's less important. And of course, you know, the OS types, it will do multi-session Zen app, if you will, Zen desktop. Um, I will point out that depending on what the delivery type is, um, like I said earlier, you know, there is no quote unquote power management anymore. It is falls under auto scale. Right. If you're doing this with dedicated desktops, it'll just be straight power management. If you're doing this with non-persistence, you'll get a few more options. Like for instance, do you want to, you know, do you want to, especially on a multi-session type, do you want to scale vertically or horizontally? Um, always an important question. So that's, that's one thing that um, you might miss if you're looking at, um, you know, a persistent desktop type, but um, yeah, we support just about everything. Hey, Jeremy, the one that's missing here, uh, supported VDA hosting plan is Nutanix. I assume it's in there as well. It would work the same way. Yeah, exactly the same way. Yep. So it, what I would of... call out with this is you've got, you know, Citrix hypervisor, Nutanix, VMware, Amazon, Google, Microsoft. That would be a multi-cloud hybrid strategy. That's why it's so important that we do this, not only for the uh, DAS version, but the, you know, the, the um, on-premises version, because people are going to need that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now it is abstracted from the underlying. So I like that it called out that it's supported, but you know, this feature is pretty much extracted or abstracted from the underlying hypervisor. So it'll work with anything you connect to it. So the next section goes back to what we kind of talked about a little bit, which is how does auto scale improve my on-premises deployments? Um, let's kind of talk about that just kind of conceptually. What are they trying to call out here? I think they were talking a lot about what we've already talked about, as you said, um, you know, particularly in the center, the middle of this section, the the idea of um, previously leveraging on-prem data centers, you know, we would we would provision them to allow 24 by 7 access and the resources are always available sitting there running in theory. Um, obviously, that was great for the user, but, you know, we, we were keeping the resources powered on and incurring costs and complexity and so forth. And so leveraging auto scale allows us to be a lot more granular than we were able to be in the past, more akin to what we see in the cloud. Yeah. Yeah. And what I think is interesting as well is we actually bubble up an estimated cost savings into mm -hmm. director now, right? So if you go look within the uh, director console, um, you're looking at your dashboard, you'll see machine usage and over on the right, we're actually sort of oh, trying sure to calculate that. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. But Bill, that you call it that uh, that caught you interest that you sounded interested. Why did why does that matter? I had not seen it before um, before now, so I, I just find it interesting that that we're at actually that. I mean, just like you would do in the cloud, Citrix has got the ability to say, you know, we're saving you X by powering things down. I'm sure there's some metrics in the background that go along with this in terms of how it's calculated. But nevertheless, to be able to do that for on-prem resources, I think is interesting. Jeremy, can you? control those variables do you know and and kind of tune it in for your environment i think so actually i'm i'm actually in my cloud console now and 
Uh, I want to say you could define how much the cost, or I can't remember if it's at the delivery group level or within Autoscale itself. I'll have to go back and look, but I think you can define what that looks like. Well, and that's that's it, right? We're we're all in IT to deliver apps, including the desktop mm-hmm. to our users and help them be productive. At the same time, we got to be able to justify the cost of all this stuff and you know, having something that at least gives us some semblance of the money that's being saved. Extremely yep. valuable. Yep. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, it's good to be back with you guys. Uh, Jeremy, any uh, any additional things you'd like to add about the idea of auto scaling or just uh, what Citrix is up to in general? Well, I'll say this. So this goes back to things that are making it on-prem. Part of what helps facilitate this is the fact that now we do have the web console that's been a part of the cloud for many iterations now, You know, at least two or three years. Um, that's on-prem now. So that MMC has been retired. You know, Going forward, you'll want to leverage, um, and I think it might even be the default now, uh, is the web console for on-prem. So, you know, much needed refresh even for the UI makes it on-prem. Bill, I'm sure you're devastated to lose yet another MMC console. Oh, no, not devastated at all. No, you know, RIP. RIP. That was, you know what? I remember when that came out in the year 2000. Um, that reminds me of a Conan skit, by the way. In the year 2000. Anyways, long story short, MMCs came out. I thought they hung the moon. And it's just funny how they feel dated now. Well, the other thing I would add to this is because it's a web-based console, you could partner with Citrix and host it in the cloud. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You could do it in your own data center. Yeah. And you could also do it with another par- partner like us. And mm-hmm. you would still be able to access it because you're just using standard web protocols, web security. Yeah. Um, right. That's extremely powerful and flexible and useful all at the same time. Okay. Well, guys, thanks. Uh, Jeremy, uh, we spoke earlier this morning. We're going to be doing a uh, podcast on ServiceNow and Citrix. Looking looking forward to that one. I think that's it's such an exciting place to be heading with the business. I'm pretty fired up about that. So I know on two or three different occasions, you know, we've talked about how REST APIs are just sort of a requirement in the cloud now, just so the different product stacks can integrate uh, easily. And so, you know, that's what we're going to hit on. There's an ITSM adapter. Um, that hooks into ServiceNow, and there's a lot of cool things that we can do as a part of that integration. So we'll get to hit on that here pretty soon. Yeah, awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, I appreciate it, and uh, look forward to doing it again next week. All right, thanks. All right, guys. See you, Bill. See you, Andy. Yeah, have a good one. Thanks. Yeah.